0: We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You know, this week, really the last couple of weeks, as I've been thinking about our um, final couple of Sundays with you all, uh, I made mention on social media last night, but I wanted to mention it this morning. You know, one of the more difficult things as a pastor when you start thinking about what to preach is, when you come into a church, uh, it's what you're going to preach first, but also what you're going to preach last. Um, you know, you want your first and final sermons especially uh, to be things that are, that are important and near and dear, and of course all Scripture is important, I'm going to be talking about that this morning. But uh, I've been praying through what God may want me to preach this Sunday and next Sunday, and... Um, a little bit different from typical Advent types of sermons, um, but just some things that God's laid on my heart that I want to leave you with. So as I said, we're going to be in 2 Timothy 3, and if you're not familiar uh, with the letter to Timothy here, Paul writes this letter, and obviously this is the second letter we have that he wrote to Timothy. What's unique about this letter is that as Paul was writing this, he was writing this in anticipation of his death. Uh, He was awaiting, uh, really, to be killed because of his faith, because of him sharing the name of Jesus, and in writing to Timothy, who was a young pastor, but also one he had mentored uh, throughout uh, his time of ministry, uh, Paul was going to leave him with some final things that he thought was important. You know, if you had the opportunity to write a letter or have a phone call with someone uh, before just before you died and you had the opportunity to say some things that were on your heart, you know that you would probably try to muster up what you thought was most important that you wanted to leave with that person. And I believe that's what Paul is doing here. He's encouraging Timothy in a lot of ways, but also uh, really instructing him in a lot of ways on what he should do and needs to continue to do as a pastor And uh, part of the problem we're going to see here that Timothy was facing uh, at the church he was ministering to, as was the case with a lot of churches in the New Testament, uh, false teachings and people being led astray, but not only the members, even church leaders We're being led astray because of these false teachings. I'm going to begin in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3. You'll see Paul addresses some of these things. We're going to go through uh, the entire chapter, but most of our time together in this passage this morning is going to be on the last few verses. Uh, But just for context, I want to read the whole chapter this morning. He says, but know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people." For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They're men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all just as was the foolishness of Janice and Jambres. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Father, as we look to your word this morning, reveal to us how you want to apply it in our lives, Lord, for all of us as we consider our relationship with you and with your word. Lord, reveal to us ways that we need to grow in that, ways that we need to mature. Lord, thank you for your word. And now as we learn from it today... Help us to do so with open hearts and open minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, several years ago, uh, my dad and I were able to take a trip to Israel together. Uh, It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and in a lot of ways, it really changed my entire perspective on how I read the Bible. Uh, I've been to uh, Bible colleges and all of those things, and I can tell you no class that I took compared to that 10-day trip that we had in Israel. And so let me encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Israel, take advantage of that opportunity because uh, that is a life-changing trip. But one of the things that really made it uh, so instrumental in our, our lives was our tour guide that we had. His name was Isaac, and uh, while he wasn't a Christian, uh, he was a practicing Jew, but he knew all of the history of the Bible, seemingly. All the places we went to, he told us all about the history of it. Uh, He showed us in the Bible where it talked about it. But he did even more than that. Uh, Oftentimes when we went uh, on streets in Israel, there were signs that were everywhere that were not in English. And, you know, being from uh, Kentucky, living in the United States my whole life, and not really knowing many languages, I barely struggled through, you know, barely got by in Spanish in high school. And so going over there and interacting with a culture that was very foreign, we relied on our guide to show us everything and to help instruct us. And we really depended upon him to show us the direction to go and, and how to understand a lot of things. And, you know, we had to, to, again, hold tight to him and lean upon him really in some ways for security, even when we went uh, in certain areas that were felt a little bit unsettled at that point in time. And, you know, as I was thinking about that trip and the ways that we depended upon him, similar to how a tour guide is for a trip that is oftentimes foreign to you and you depend upon him, much like he is your guide for that trip, the Bible in a more significant and greater way is your guide for life. The Bible is to show you and does show you and tell you all the things that you need to know for life. It keeps you on course. It keeps you on the direction that God wants for your life. And quite frankly, so many people in this life wander off course and don't even know the course because they aren't following the guide that God has given them. And if I'm being honest today, churches... And denominations have even wandered off course uh, that God wants for them because they haven't leaned upon and depended upon the guide that God has given them. I want you to know that God has a purpose and plan for your life. God has a purpose and plan for this church, and He's given us access to knowing His best for you, knowing His best for me, and ultimately knowing His best for His church right here in Scripture. But here's the thing. Every single one of us have a decision to make when it comes to the Bible. Probably for all of us, we own a copy of the Bible. We might even have the app on our phone. But having a copy of the Bible is very different than actually following it. It's very different than depending upon it. And so I want to ask you this morning, when it comes to the Bible... Are you going to choose to follow it or not? Are you going to choose to trust it or not? Because in order to be all God wants us to be, we have to hold on to and follow God's Word. God's Word is absolutely necessary. And this morning I've entitled my message, The Necessity of Scripture. And what we're going to see from this passage, particularly, we're going to look at verses 14 through verse 17. We're going to see some outcomes that God wants for your life, uh, as it con- uh, as Scripture concerns it, and we're going to examine some of these outcomes that happen in your life when you choose to hold on to and follow God's word. All right. So to be clear, God wants these things to happen in your life, but they can only happen if you follow and hold on to God's Word. And so we're going to look at some of these together. Now, uh, again, in context, and you can see through verse 1 through verse 9 that basically a lot of the um, the church at that time that Timothy was ministering to and really a lot of, of self-proclaimed Christians at that time were being led astray, were buying into false teachings, but also he mentions a lot of the... Um, the qualities of the world in those days. Now, you, you read verse 2, 3, 4, and 5, and you notice that how people were in the world in that day and time is really no different than today because the human heart is still the same. But he makes a shift here and encourages Timothy to be different. And in some uh, summary of, I think, all that he has said about the, the people being led astray and the way people are living in the world, he mentions in verse 13, look at what He says, evil people and imposters, and those are like people of the world and people in the church who are like leading people astray. It says they will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. So understand, as bad as it was at that point in time, Paul was saying it's going to get worse. People are going to deceive people. People are going to be deceived themselves. And then he makes this shift here in verse 14 and says this but as for you, talking about Timothy, but as for you, and as I was thinking about those four words that he mentioned, what he is getting at here is the fact that evil people and imposters are going to become worse, but that Timothy, and not only Timothy, but Christians are to live completely different from the world. Paul knew that God wants his people to be different, and Other places in Scripture we find this. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So we're to live differently. And it's very clear there, it's very clear here, that God doesn't want you to blend in with the culture. God wants you to be different. God wants you to stand out. And when I think about how Christians should stand out, I'm reminded of a trend that a lot of people had in their homes, especially in the 90s, and maybe some of you still have this in your home, uh, the trend of the accent wall. Do you all remember that? Like when you walked into a room, there was one room, or, or excuse me, there was one wall in the room that was different than the other walls. And it might have wallpaper on it. It might have a different paint color. It might have all the decor or most of the decor on this one wall. But the point of the accent wall is when you walked into a room, you looked at that wall because it was completely different than than all the other walls. Now, in a very similar way, I think as Christians, people should be able to look at us and notice that there's something different about us. We should be living differently because we have the Spirit of God within us. We should be living in a way that honors God and pleases God and brings uh, significance to God's name in a culture that doesn't pay any mind to Him. But here's the question. How do you do that? How do you live differently? It's one thing to say, like, live differently. But how do you find the instruction? How do you, how do you find out how you're supposed to do that? Well, look back at verse 14. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You see, Timothy had been taught from a very young age what it meant to follow God. And not only had he been raised in a way to follow the Lord and honor the Lord, but you look back at verse 10, and Paul had also taught him. He had been trained by godly men in the, in the church, godly leaders that had poured into him and, and taught him what it meant to actually be a Christian. And so Paul says here, to be different, to live differently from the culture, you need to hold on to the, the faith that you have. Hold on to what you've been taught. Hold on to what you've come to believe. And listen, we live in a world that constantly tries to get us to walk away from what we believe. We live in a world that tells us to be affirming of all religions, affirming of many sins, affirming of all sexualities, affirming of whatever wants some, someone wants to claim is truth. And in a world that tries to pull us away from our faith, we have to hold on to Scripture and continue in what we've learned and firmly believed. We have to hold on to that just as they did. And so the first outcome that we find in this passage from following Scripture is that it sets you apart from the world. Following Scripture sets you apart from the world. I want to ask you today, how does your life look? You know, following Scripture and doing what it says sets you apart from the world would somebody be able to look at your actions today or this week or this month and say, there's something different about them? You know, could they hear your speech or observe how you love someone or observe your actions towards somebody who's different than you and recognize, hey, they love as Jesus does. They are following God's Word. And notice, again, I'll come back to this idea of continue in. It's difficult to continue in something if you don't stay familiar with it. You know, I think about when I was a a kid in, in elementary school, I remember there were times that we would have summer break and it seemed like over summer break, I forgot everything I knew in school. I don't know if you all you know, felt that same way. Some of you teachers probably know the frustration of when you come back in August dealing with students like me, but it was like you know, we would start up in math again and be doing stuff that we had done in May, and I was like, I don't even remember how to do this at all because I, had, I hadn't continued in it all summer, and with that lapse in, in, in time, there had been a lapse in memory Right? I I didn't remember how to do it. And listen, if we want to follow God's Word and live differently, we have to continue. That means continually hold on to God's Word, continually hold on to what we've been taught, what we believe, and don't let go of it. Listen, it takes a toll on us when we stop reading our Bibles for a significant amount of time. It takes a toll on us when we don't Come to church regularly. It takes a toll on us when we don't actually continue in the things that we've learned and been taught. And if we're going to live differently, we have to hold on to God's Word and live it out daily. But look at how he continues in verse 14. He says, you know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, again, I mentioned Timothy's parents began teaching him the Scriptures, and his family began teaching him Scriptures at a a very young age. And it had set a foundation for his life that he was still leaning upon as a pastor, uh, as an adult. Now, I just want to, as an aside here, mention that if you have children or grandchildren that you are able to influence today. Don't take for granted the significance that teaching your children, your grandchildren, God's word plays in their life. I mean, I look back even on my childhood and I still remember a lot of the stories I was taught and even as a pastor. I lean upon that foundation that was placed there by my parents, by my Sunday school teachers, by people who volunteered at Bible school. I lean upon that even today. And Timothy did as well. He was leaning upon what he had been taught from infancy, Paul said. And so listen, if you have kids, pour into them. Teach them God's Word. Even if they're wiggly, even if they're not paying as much of attention as you think they would, you are setting a foundation for their life. But notice here what this foundation was that was being set. He says, you know that from infancy you've known the sacred Scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, Scripture is so important because it points to how we can be saved. Following Scripture, and this is the second outcome that we see here, following Scripture gives you the wisdom of salvation. Scripture doesn't save you. Let's be clear, reading the Bible, just that act alone doesn't save you. Owning a Bible doesn't save you but it gives you the wisdom of salvation and points to where you can be saved and who you are saved through, and that's in Christ Jesus. And understand this morning that if you do not have Jesus, then you have no hope. The Bible says that hope is found only in Jesus. That's where we get the wisdom of salvation. The Bible is clear from beginning to end that it's all about Jesus. And what I think is interesting here and sometimes we miss, is that when he says that scriptures are able to give you wisdom for salvation, the scriptures that they had at that time were what we had as the Old Testament. In addition to some gospels and other writings that were floating around, but they didn't have the, the put-together final New Testament like we have today. But even in the Old Testament, all of it points ahead to Jesus. In the New Testament, all of that points back to Jesus because it's all about Jesus, because it's in Jesus alone that we are saved. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what we've earned because of our sin is death, and not just death, but hell forever. But the good news is, the wisdom of salvation is that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life life because he was fully God, fully man. He never sinned but the Bible tells us that when he died upon the cross, he took the punishment for all of our sins. Three days later he came back to life and the wisdom of salvation is this, if you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus alone for salvation, you can and will be saved. So let me tell you this morning, maybe you came in here today thinking that it was good works that saved you or church that saved you or even Bible reading that saved you. Listen, it's only Jesus who saves you. You need that wisdom for salvation. But maybe you're here today and you've been saved for 50 years. I want you to know you never stop needing the wisdom of salvation. You never grow too old, you never get too mature to to stop needing the wisdom of salvation because here's the thing, if we're going to achieve God's mission for us and for this church, we need the wisdom of salvation poured into us continually. You need it, I need it, our kids need it. This church needs it. This community needs it. We need to have the wisdom of salvation, and that only comes through following Scripture. Now, there's one more area that Paul touches on here. I want you to look at verse 16. And actually, these, verse 16 and 17 could be a whole sermon just in themselves, but I kind of want to give you a bird's-eye view of this today. It says, All Scripture is inspired... Now, I want to start with that statement, all Scripture is inspired. Inspired by God here literally means God-breathed. It doesn't mean that somebody was sitting in a room thinking about God, and they just decided to to write down the things that, oh, God inspired me to write this. You know, I was thinking about God and just wrote it. No, it's literally God-breathed. God used his creation, his people, to breathe out his words and write them down for us. But notice that word all here. All Scripture, every Scripture, is God-breathed. That means every word that you have in Scripture is from God, not just the red words. We live in a day and time that some Christians are claiming that the red words mean more than the black words. All Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture, from beginning to end. And as we look at this, we know that not only is it all from God, but it's profitable for several reasons. Look at what Scripture does for us. All Scripture does this. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete. That idea is like mature or perfect we be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, when you think about maturing, the truth is, in a physical sense, just like a spiritual sense, we all have to mature in this life. And as you were growing up, chances are, parents and teachers and coaches um, spoke to you and did different things to help you mature. Sometimes when your parents talked to you, maybe they gave you some encouragement, said hey great job on that or you know maybe you could do this a little bit differently but they encouraged you and you needed that sometimes when they spoke to you maybe they gave you a rebuke and they scolded you perhaps or maybe they gave you a correction that wasn't so much fun to hear in that moment in time but you look back and you say you know I needed some correction I needed some rebuking I needed some discipline and I'm glad those people did that for me Sometimes, for maturing, we need some training. We need to be taught. And you look at your life and you see how all of these things are valuable for life and sometimes difficult to handle. The truth is, all of these things are valuable as well for spiritual growth. But notice, because we need all of these things, we need all of Scripture. And that may seem like a simple statement, but if we're honest, our temptation when we read Scripture can sometimes be to just read the encouraging things or the hopeful things and the things that rebuke us or correct us where we kind of avoid those things. And you know, you see this really in out, in, throughout Christianity because so much of what's published today through books and Christian music even that's on the radio is about the encouraging things. You know, you turn on the, the radio, Christian radio, and it's no longer Christian radio. It's positive and encouraging radio because they, they're just serving up one side of it. And certainly we need encouragement. Certainly we need hope, right? But we need all of it. Sometimes we need to be corrected. Sometimes we need to be rebuked. And listen, the temptation for churches is to find preachers and teachers who will just preach things that make them feel good. We need God's word to do all it's supposed to do, to teach, rebuke, correct, and train. So we need all of God's word. Church, I know that once I leave, I won't have any direct input on who will be the next pastor here. But let me say, while I'm able to stand in this pulpit, find someone who will unashamedly preach all of God's word. And there may be Sundays that they preach that you're like, boy, that stepped on my toes, or boy, that that didn't feel so good. But listen, we need that as much as we need the encouragement and the hopeful things. We need all of God's Word. But let me pull it back a little bit more and make it more personal. When it comes to your Bible study time, are you taking time to read and get to know all of god's word or do you find yourself in those same few passages all the time that you've read time and time and time and time again we need the holy spirit to convict and shape our hearts and minds through the power of god's word and so we need this type of thing to impact our lives and so let me ask you today how is scripture impacting your life you know, we, we talked about Scripture being necessary. When you leave here today, do you actually live and practice in a way that shows that you believe Scripture is necessary? Today we've seen that in order to be all God wants us to be, we have to hold on to and follow God's Word. And so let me ask you this. What would be your next step in going deeper in God's Word? Think about where you are right now. What would be that next step in going a little bit deeper? For some of you, if you're honest this morning, and listen, we've all been there. If you're honest this morning, you can say, you know, I don't spend very much or or any time in the Bible outside of church. And for some of you today, that next step is, I'm going to start reading my Bible throughout the week. And if that's you today, let me encourage you to commit to the Lord. If you really believe the Bible is necessary and tells us what we need to do for life, if you really believe that, commit that to the Lord and actually practice that this week. And let me encourage you as well when you practice it, try to start at a pace that you can keep up. Reading for two minutes a day, five days, or or two minutes a day, five minutes a day, is better than reading for no minutes a day, right? So start at a pace that you can keep up. And so for maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe for your next step, you're like, hey, I'm gonna read a couple minutes a day this week just to start practicing living out the word. Maybe for you, you need to to go deeper in God's word. Maybe you need some time spent with God's word with your family. Start talking about it with your spouse. Start talking about it with your kids. Maybe for you, If you're honest today, you have read the Bible so much and you're familiar with it in a lot of ways, and again, none of us know all there is to know about the Bible. But maybe you've been pouring into your own life so much with scripture and you've never actually poured into somebody else. I know for a fact that this church could use some folks to be willing to pour into other people as Bible study leaders and small group leaders And listen, maybe you're in a position that you think my next step would be to do that. I'm a little scared to do it, maybe that would be my next step. Listen, whatever your next step is to going deeper in scripture, we're gonna commit to that this morning. As we have our time of commitment today, one other thing. As you're thinking about the wisdom of God, maybe for you, your next step is to be saved. You need to obey God's word and you need to say, I I need to be saved, or maybe you've been saved and you've been putting off baptism And you say, you know, I need to finally do what God's Word tells me to do. If I say I believe it, I need to obey it. And so if that's you, maybe you need to come forward this morning. The reality is the only way to experience God's best for your life is to follow and hold on to His Word. And to be who God wants you to be, and to be the church that God wants Scottsville Baptists to be, Scripture has to occupy more than a place on your shelf. It has to occupy a place in your heart. Today in our time of commitment, let's commit or recommit ourselves to being people who hold on to and to people who follow and obey God's Word. Father, as we think about your Word today, we're so grateful that we have it. We're so grateful that it's so accessible to us here in this country. We're, we're thankful that um, there are so many translations that we have, that we can find one that we can understand and all of those things. But, Lord, quite frankly, if, if we're honest this morning, we know it's so familiar to us sometimes that we neglect it. And we only maybe consume your word when we're here together. Lord, I pray for each person here this morning as they're thinking about their relationship with your word. I pray that for all of us, we would see the importance of taking the next step to go a little bit deeper. We know that a journey of faith always involves the next step. And so whatever that next step is for us, Lord, I pray that you would lead us to commit to that and help us to see the significance of it. Lord, I thank you again for this time this morning. Move through your people with the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name.